1: Yeah.
2: First day of kindergarten. And I remember being in line and this kid in front of me who, you know, I remember his name to this day. I turned around, looked at me, he's asked me, are, are you poor? Yeah. And I just remember like the feeling, huh? Like I didn't know how to handle it. So, you know, I let my mom know. And, and that was, I guess it's the cliche of everyone has one. It's like when you when you really discover what it is to be black, that you're black, you know, it's like, OK, that was that moment where it's like, oh, this is what we're up against. And I do remember my mom explaining to me, this is something you're going to be facing, but you got to be proud of who you are. Hi, I'm Justin Richmond, and I am a modern minority.
0: Welcome to Modern Minorities.
3: This is a show about work and life, told through the lens of what makes each of us different.
0: I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City.
3: And I'm Raman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee.
0: Today, we're talking to Justin Richmond, the host of Started from the Bottom. Justin has lived a storied life, growing up in California where he still resides and having a pretty unorthodox journey into who he's become. I was also joined by Melissa Houghton, who is one of our Modern Minorities group of guest hosts. And so she and I spoke to Justin today and we really enjoyed talking to him about his own life story, including experiences that shaped him, how he grew up with his single mother and some of the decisions that he made, which actually in the end helped him to become the amazing person that he is today. One thing that I really enjoyed the most is just connecting with another podcast creator and podcast host who really is providing a platform and a voice for underrepresented voices And as he says, really gives way for the underdog story. So if you guys love rooting for the underdog, as well as just hearing about how amazing things can happen to really great people, I think you're really going to enjoy our chat with Justin Richmond today. Justin, it's so great to have you here with us today.
2: It's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: And we're also joined today by one of our members of the, what did you call yourself? The Modern
4: Minority Universe? The Cinematic Universe as a nod to Ramen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So today I've got Justin and Melissa here, which is going to be so much fun because I just love it when Melissa and I team up together too with our superpowers. Yeah. But this isn't about us. It's about Justin. And so Justin, one of the first questions we ask everybody is, where are you from?
2: Uh I grew up in Southern California between LA County and Orange County.
0: And do you ever get asked the follow-up question, which some of us do, which is where are you really from?
2: No, but where am I, I mean, yes, like I specifically, <laughs> I mean, when I say from those places I mean, you know, really have moved all around LA County. I mean, you know, you got the parents that are split up and it's just you, you move around, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But if you mean spiritually, where am I really from? I don't know. I don't think I have a home anymore. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, I'm a fairly, we're coming up on the 4th of July. And in a weird way, I always have considered myself American. Yeah. I don't know. It might be because of the time I was born. You know, I was born in 89, coming off of a large wave of, of patriotism the nineties, it feels like we, it was a pretty, it was kind of like halcyon days as well, you know, in a lot of ways, like, well, in a weird way, some, one of my earliest memories is like, it's it's the riots in LA and stuff. But even, even through that, it felt like there were people in charge and, and leadership you could trust both within the black community and both within like local government here. But I don't know, like the way things are going yesterday with the Affirmative action decision in the Supreme Court. Yeah, sort of feels like I don't know, man. Maybe I don't have a home. You know, like I used to believe, like, like, like Barack and that piecemeal change. Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's two steps forward, one step back. I'm starting to feel it's like one step forward, two back, one forward, two back. Yeah, like the illusion of 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 movement. We're really just going backwards. And so, yeah, I don't I don't know where I really feel like I'm from anymore.
0: You know, take us back though to like the late '80s, early '90s, and you say like. You were born in 89 and I guess I'm, I guess I am older than you, huh? I kind of knew that, but not by how much. So in 89, I was like in fourth grade already, Justin. <laughs> I could have been your babysitter.
2: That's right. Yeah. Where
0: were you? Um, I was, uh, I was born and raised in New York City. Okay. So on the other side yeah. of the nation. But what was, what was your neighborhood like? Like what was the community like as you were growing up? Who were the people that you lived around?
2: Oh man, you know, I primarily remember my family and then my best friend, Anthony, who was, uh, he was a Filipino kid. uh uh-huh. Man, I hope, I, you know, I've not talked to this person in, in years, but that was my memories that he was. Yeah. But, you know, my strongest memories are of family, my family, and... Man, I don't spend
0: a ton of time thinking about my childhood,
2: so this is tough. But yeah, my my, my strongest sense memories are of, of my family. You know,
0: mm-hmm. and are you? Do you have a, a lot of siblings? You come from a big family, small family?
2: I have uh, two half brothers. Okay, one is a few years older, and the other is. Exactly one month younger than me, so if, if that tells you something about my family, yeah. And there you go, yeah. you know.
4: Yeah. So does that put you squarely in the middle? Would you say that you? I don't know about squarely, but it puts
2: me. me <laughs> <laughs> Puts me. <Okay>. Puts me <laughs> <like> it's <laughs> it as an almost twin. A
0: little in the middle. You know, it puts me
2: lightly, barely
0: <laughs> in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> did you grow up with both half brothers like in the same household?
2: Initially we did uh early on we we were around each other a lot and then Okay. Um yeah, and then and then we spent less and less time as as time sure moved on. And to the day to this day we still stay in touch, but I mean, you know, everyone's in different. My younger brother is in Germany. hmm Um my older brother, he's in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, you know, stay in touch, but Yeah,
0: just all yeah. over. Yeah. 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 And what was school like?
2: So my mom moved to the city of Orange in Orange County when I was, Mm -hmm. I turned, it was like the month I turned five. So that like the July of 94, we moved there and I started kindergarten there. Yeah, I don't know. It was, um, I don't know. I feel like I have some decent memories of it, but yeah, Yeah. overall. It felt like not a great experience, you know. Like, Why
0: would you say that? You, you know,
2: Orange County is an overwhelmingly conservative and white mm-hmm. place. Where I lived was actually, well, where I lived, fortunately, wasn't overwhelmingly white. It was, felt like, like maybe 50% white. 50% Latino, you know? So at least yeah. there was like that element of things. And, sure. you know, I do for the longest time, like my wife, my wife now is, is, is Mexican and, yeah. and she always jokes that I'm more Mexican than her. Cause for a while, I mean, and for a while I didn't even know I wasn't, you know I
0: mean? I was like, right. all
2: right. my best, all my best friends was, you know? um. So, but just being in such a conservative place, you just never, you, I always felt that, you know, even before I was cognizant of no, whatever, conservative, liberal, this, that. I just you could just right, feel right. it, man. Just just moving there. It. it just felt like off, you know?
4: Visceral. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was a visceral it was a visceral guttural, like, damn, like, I don't belong, man. You know what I mean? Yeah.
4: I'm curious, even at that young age, is there anywhere that you felt like you could find refuge from those feelings or or safety? Family,
2: family, you know? And I think that's why, like, when you you ask, it's like, that's my strongest sort of, you know, in terms of early memory, my strongest memories are just, yeah, family. Because, yeah, I always felt, I never felt, I didn't have, like, that Mariah, I felt too, like, my mom was white, my dad was black. I never had, like, that Mariah Carey, like, oh, I'm too white to be black, too black to be white. I just, I I never even, you know, within my family, I never even, it just, we was just family, you know? (laughs) It was never, it was never even, like, (laughs) disgust. you know what I mean? Like I was black. I knew that, you know, yeah. but it was never like, Oh, I feel weird around my, you know, it was not, it was always Every. every it was just like, I felt super. Yeah. Just loved being around family.
0: You said mom, mom was white mm-hmm. or mom was black. Mom's mom was white. was white. Yeah. Okay. And you lived with mom.
2: Uh, Primarily. Primarily.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So did you ever have conversations with her about feeling out of place? Yeah. In in an area like everyone looked like her, but not like you.
2: Yeah. Well, I guess that goes back to, yeah, first day of kindergarten. I remember showing up, and you know, so it's, we talking, we talking. It's '94 Power Rangers is popping. and I'm a five year old in the garden. So I got, I had my brand new Power Rangers shirt on, my blue Power Rangers lunchbox, and some Oops. denim shorts. I thought I was looking, you know, probably some Reeboks. You know what I'm saying? The so drip,
4: like, <laughs> the drip. Yes. I thought I was looking there fresh. You, you know what
2: I'm saying? I was ready, <laughs> and but I'll never forget lining up, and, and again, like I was a, I was a pretty, shy, I was a shy kid. You know, right? But so I remember lining up, just being like, like all oh, like terrified, like oh, but the, like can't believe I'm like, you know, I was like, it literally felt like being pushed out the nest, you know.
1: mm mm-hmm.
2: And but then I and I remember being in line, and this kid in front of me, who you know, I remember his name to this day. I remember, I remember, you know, I remember, it, like turned around and looked at me, white kid, turned around and looked at me and said, like, ask me, are, are, are you poor?
4: Wow. And I was like,
1: what?
2: Yeah, and I just remember, like, the feeling, huh? Like, I just didn't even know how to, I didn't know how to handle it. So go through the motions of the day, and then I go, you know, at the end of it, you know, I let my mom know. And, and and that was the, like, you know, like, I guess it's the cliche if everyone has one. It's like when you, when you really discover what it is to be black, that you're black, like, you know, it's like, okay, that was that moment. Where it's like, oh, this Uh is what we're up against, and 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 that you know, I do remember my mom explaining to me like, like you know, my mom was real about it. Like, look, I can't tell you how many people I'm around that think they're safe around me because I'm I look the way I look, and they say the most horribly (laughs) horrible, you know what I mean? Like, and this is uh, something you're going to be facing, but you got to be proud of who you are. You know, yeah, I'll know, yeah, I'll I always remember that. You know.
0: I want to let that hang for a second cuz that's a that's a lot to take in. I mean kindergarten is 5 years old, so at 5 to hear that for the first time and all of those feelings and then the talk with your mom after that that's that's one of those that's one of those moments, I think. I don't know. Like I don't even know how to respond to that. That's 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 a big that's a really big moment. Yeah. Did that make you want to be different? in front of them like did you feel like then you had to be or act or dress differently to fit in in some way
2: no luckily like I I no, I've always had like a obstinate personality
1: yeah <laughs> this day yeah.
2: <laughs> you know like oh my god I'm much like my youngest child like I just like I don't <laughs> want to I'm happy like in a weird way and I don't know, maybe I'm misremembering, like maybe my desire to not fit in stems more from these experiences than than that having naturally existed in me, but my memory is i was I was happy to not you know in a, in a lot of ways, and um right again I, and anyways, I was shy, I just stuck to myself, I had a couple of close friends, just kept it like that. It either spoke to or helped to foster this bit of my personality was like call it my, my my Tupac, you know, my I don't give a fuck.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I can curse on you. Yeah. but Yep.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I, so it had the opposite effect. I think that's good, though, that yeah. it gave you a true sense of who you are.
2: Yeah. I mean, there were moments at a certain point, maybe seventh grade
0: mm-hmm.
2: or eighth. One, one of those middle school years, there was a little moment of feeling like, ah, I want to, you know, because and I really think that's like, you know, it starts to be like opposite sex starts to come into play and you're trying to figure, and you're like oh okay you're trying to and so there is a bit of like I think especially around that age anyways that you're trying to like you're just trying to figure out how to how do I be in the world to make people like me and so there was a bit of that but then I I pretty quickly very quickly went back to like yeah I don't give a fuck <laughs>
4: so. I really love that because I think for so many black kids in particular those moments, unfortunately, are hallmark moments, but they're also ones that can really set you on the opposite path where you're like, "How can I minimize the aspects of me that are setting me apart?" so I love that you know your tupac shit really came out, and you said nah i'm not a I'm not about to do that
2: yeah, it's not like it, and it's not like you know and again, like I'm in therapy now, so i'm I'm discussing all this, and I'm figuring out like that's a mech that's a defense mechanism, you know, so uh-huh. I know that there was a lot of hurt and there was a lot of damage but that is the way i handled it you know and i think i and i'm not i'm not mad at it i needed it you know what i mean like that was i needed that right. so i had yeah i had a lot of anger as a kid you know i was a i was i think a nice kid i think i'm a good human being but i was an angry kid that's for sure you know that was for sure and there was no hiding. You know, I'm I'm six foot six now. I was always whatever the equivalent of being six foot six is in kindergarten. <laughs> like, I was that. <laughs> I don't know how old, how tall my are. But I was, yeah, I was two foot <laughs> nothing. But I was like, damn, I'm like <laughs> taller than everybody. So there was no, there was no hiding. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, right. you know, even that, like, again, being a tall black, kid everyone looked at me as like okay you're gonna be an athlete and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my dad was my dad played for a season with the Colts can't remember if it was it well, just well, after they well. moved to Indiana or before when they were still in Baltimore I always forget that wrong and then played in the Canadian Football League for a year or two
4: yes Canada
2: so that was yeah oh there we go hey, hey Canada <laughs> Edmonton Eskimos shout out but uh, yeah, so there was always that expectation anyways, I guess just from within the family. But and then, but again, because of my obstinate personality, I went way away from that. I was like, I don't want nothing. I was like, I wanna be the smartest motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like,
4: yeah. Right.
2: I you like, I don't wanna beat y'all in sports, like I wanna beat you on life, you know? And so that was the vibe I was on, you know.
4: Okay, so thinking about that, what did you wanna be if you wanted to really carve your own path? With your brain, let's say what what were you thinking, man? This is what I'm trying to do when I grow up.
2: Well, let me tell you, right now I regret it. I wish I should have played basketball. I'm really upset. (laughs) I love basketball. Actually, I (laughs) love basketball. Like God, and I see the money these cats is getting. I'm like, yo, I could have rolled the bench. got a cool what? I know a what? I could. Oh my God, I'm so upset. But okay, you know. But really, what I I don't know what I wanted to do. I didn't come from a college-educated family on either side. I didn't come from a family that really believed in themselves much and moved around from thing to thing and place to place a lot. And so it's like I don't really – I didn't really have a conception of what – I always remember being a kid and being – I couldn't – like, you know how some people, like, you know, when they're kids, I hear, like, some people will be like – I used to sit around thinking like, oh, like, like, oh, wow, I'm going to be, like, married one day or something like that. I sit around and be like, I can't remember if I have a job one day. Like, what? Like, what? How is that gonna work? Like, I'm gonna have money. Am I gonna have money? I'm gonna be home? Like, what's the like? I had no conception of what. Like, I just didn't know. You know, I had right. no clue. No clue. Right. So that's a that's a complicated question, I guess. Like, I really, I would think about that. Like, what? How am I gonna make money one day? How that right. gonna work? Right. Pay bills when I'm older. How, how am I gonna do that?
4: Yeah. 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 Like, were there any teachers or role models?
2: No, I mean, my mom would always tell me you're going to college. My mom would always tell me you're going to college, but I didn't really understand how that was going to work. Cause I'm like, well, well, you didn't go like how, <laughs> you know, like, no, one. like, what, what do you mean? Like, how's this going to, and no, like I didn't really feel like outside, like I just outside of family telling me that, you know, like, Oh, you, you're going to, you're smart and you're going to go to college and all that. Like, there was no feeling of, like, demonstration. Like, oh, like, there was, it felt like there was no, like, where I could be, like, that is, oh, I could be that. You know, like, as much as I love my parents, I didn't want to yeah. be that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so.
0: Yeah. So, like, no no real life role models that you knew. No. Uh, to follow.
2: And so, you know, I do think about it. I, I, I looked to TV a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was like, it was funny over the pandemic, man. We started like all those like streamers started popping up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I got two kids. They're seven and f- almost five now. Two girls. They started watching like all these uh, sitcoms from back of the day, for, like Fresh Prince, Family Matters, yeah. And Ooh. I was like, and it really took me back. I mean, I used to watch those shows and put myself like I was, those were my dads. You know what I'm saying?
0: Right. Yep.
2: Sounds terrible to say now, but Dr. Huxtable was, you know.
0: I know. He was all of our dads. Yeah, at the time. Heartbreakingly so. Yeah. I <laughs> the always
2: wished my dad was Dr. Huxtable. I always wished until I was in college, I would still have this thing of like, I would be with my dad and expect Dr. Huxtable and just be sorely disappointed. You know, I got like
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, whatever he is. So. God bless them, but, you know, so.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: So, yeah, I looked to the TV a lot
0: for role models,
1: you know. hmm
0: And so you ended up going to school and other things. I think a, a key part of your story that I've read about you is that you actually dropped out of high school.
2: Yeah, yeah, I did at 14. It was just, I think it was a culmination of all of that from that first day of kindergarten on right and just feeling like I felt like every day was at war with these people you know it was like and I you know and I was just an angry kid and I just you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I just again I guess you know again it's that Tupac I and mean, I have like a lot of um as much as I had dreams and designs to be better I had a lot of anger too you know and so yeah by the time I was 14 I was just I was fed up you know I was fed up with the system you know what I mean and so yeah I just I just I said I'm quitting this motherfucker you know
0: Mm -hmm. what did mom say because I bet I bet mom had to co-sign it in some way right
2: yeah you know I got to give my mom a a lot of credit so this what what really happened was and in my freshman year they wanted to put me in you know in that whole year I was just treated like terribly from like I remember showing up the first day of school I was in an I was in a class, I showed up to classes and on my little card where you're looking at, okay, your period by period, yeah. right? So my, my yeah. second year I show up, I see like E something, I'm like, okay, it's English something. Okay, okay, English class. I roll up. And again, I grew up around a lot of Latinos. So, you know, damn near the whole, it was 98% Latino in there. I'm sure. like, I'm not thinking nothing of it. Yeah. These are my people. Like, I, I, these are my people I knew. Oh, they're Steven, they're boom, boom, boom. Right? You know what I'm saying? These are my people. Hector, oh, my guys. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Class starts, and they go, C-H is ch. S-H is ch. I go, oh, hell no. They got me an ESL. Oh, <laughs> so wow. That was, that's how little oh. they thought of me. You know what I'm saying? I go, because oh, wow. I speak English. You know what I'm saying? No, no, yeah. no shame to my guys here, but you know I'm cool. So I had to like, lobby to get out of there. They didn't want to let me out. I had to lobby to get out of that. Um, they're like, oh, yeah, well, you, your grades were shit, but you tested way high. And I go, yeah, I'm trying to tell you I could speak. But yeah, so the whole year was just like a battle. And by the end of it, they wanted to. And, you know, again, I was like, I didn't, I, you know, I was just, I was running amok too. Like, I'm not going to say it wasn't I had no hand in any of that. I was, I was a problem child. But um, by the end of it, they wanted to send me to continuation school, hmm. which I don't, I don't know if they have that every, everywhere, but it's sort of like when you, it's basically like detention all day, every day, but you learn, I guess. Yeah. It's like all the kids that are you in detention with. But from all around the school district and surrounding school districts, and my mom was like, you know, you're not like you're not you're not one of these kids. Like you're not like you know what I mean. And so she like so she to her credit, she was like, you know what, I'm gonna just have you stay home. You're gonna I'm gonna when I go to work, you're gonna read the paper. Mm -hmm. When I get home, you're gonna have written two articles.
0: Oh, you know,
2: every day I'd have to write theoretically write, like two pieces about whatever I read in the paper that day. Yeah. Because she's like, yeah, I'd rather you do that than, you know, go like she, she, you know, she was like, you know, they're, they're trying to put you on the jail, the, the school, to right. jail pipeline. Yeah. So was, right. right, like, right. Yeah. So, so much to her credit, she, she let me do that. But you know, I'll say, I say to her credit because like, you know, for the, for a minute, it didn't work. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I mean, like I was running even more. Man, yeah.
0: Cause was, you had all the freedom now, right? Like you, yeah, you didn't have to be anywhere.
2: I was out all night. I was out all night. I'd get home just before I knew she would wake up, get into bed, you know, pretend to be like, oh, was grogging. Well, okay, I'm waking up. Soon as she left for work, stay sleeping, wow. and wake up, do my thing. And then slap, you know, just like, she'd get home. I wouldn't have done whatever I was supposed to do. Argue, 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 argue. argue. I'm out, dip, you know what I mean? Like, it, it was. it was kind of chaos. Yeah. But around that time, man, I got a shout out. My guy Robert Colson, he gave me a copy of the autobiography of Malcolm X. Mm. And my mom did instill love reading in me. I always did like to read. Um, and so I got that, I read that. And as I started reading that, I started really identifying with Malcolm. Him being the smart kid in school that no one believed in, right? Um, not having sort of role models around him where he could figure out a better way like not and then and then kind of going wayward and then finding an extreme sense of discipline to get himself out of his predicament right um him reading in jail in the dark to the point that you know that's where he gets the glasses from like just that kind of and, and then going and just like in debating the smartest white dude in prisons he, in the prison he could find right like that I was like yeah. oh man I was like oh I said okay hold up Going back to like now elementary school, it's like, yeah, I do, I do want to be the smartest. So I was like, okay, hold up. So I got to find my focus here. So so then I started, I just disappeared, man. My friend group, my friend, dude, I just disappeared. I was like in witness protection, man. I, was like, I just told my, I was like, hey, I was like, don't. don't you just ever, went into hiding? Don't ever answer, don't answer the door. Don't tell no one nothing. You don't know nothing. Yeah. I was just, I was laying low and I was reading and trying to figure out what my next move was. And then that's when my mom discovered a little little hack where I could get into community college. I was fifteen at that point, and so yeah, I just started writing to community college right there. I took a couple courses. Um, I took an eight week, two eight week accelerated courses midway through like a spring semester in 05, I want to say
1: mm-hmm.
2: one was interpersonal communication, and the other was because again, that was like, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be on my Malcolm debate yeah business. So I so I took that, and then I took history of the U.S. from 1865 to present. I got a D in the interpersonal communication. I got an A-plus in the history <laughs> course. A-plus was enough to be like, all right, I belong.
1: <laughs> Let's go. It so then I just,
2: it balances out. That was enough. Like, I, it gave me enough confidence. Be Like, okay, boom. So then, I, you know, I just kept going, kept going, kept going. And I just never looked back. You know, I realized, like, okay, I'm either got, I got to get a college degree because it's like, if I don't get a college degree, all I got, it's like an eighth grade certificate. You know what I mean? So right. this ain't going to yeah. be, this ain't going, this ain't going to do it. And so, yeah, I just like, I, I took, man, just so many just hit, you know, I didn't transfer until I was 21 and a half. So, you know, six, that's six and a half years of, of just trying to make it work in community college, you know, and just try trying like, to, oh, taking the wrong class, failing, yeah. having to go switching districts, doing, you know. UCLA extension, LACC, right. like just driving around town, you know, whatever, like just this whole journey from 15 to 21, all that light happens to life in those years and, and just trying to keep my head down. And, and then man, like, I remember I was like doing, doing applications. And by that point, because I was head down, I'd met some strong people. Yeah. The, the cat that gave me the autobiography, biography of Malcolm X, he was a, um, a doctoral candidate student mm-hmm. he introduced me to some people that was like yo like other phd type people and i'm like yo like wow and these people like believed in me and then i met and then through through church my mom started taking me to church because you know she knew i was go- i was messing i was i was going bad so she took me to church i met this kid he was a, a puerto rican and mexican kid who was at the time the second youngest kid to graduate mit with the phd
0: What? how old was he
2: he was 17 that's awesome and yeah. i was like. Yo, what? And his dad started like him and his dad started like mentoring me in, in just math and philosophy, and all kinds of ill stuff and 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 I would just spend days over there and so I'm I'm doing this grind and I'm I'm still not believing that I can have a future, but the, you know, they're giving me the confidence and so and and really showing me every step of the way. Thank God I had these people. They really, I mean, people that are like to this day, dear, dear, dear family for me, you know? Yeah. And um, so when it comes time to then, finally, I'm 20, almost 21, and I'm applying to schools, and they're like, no, Justin, you're, gonna, you're not going to do this school. That's what you're going to do The UC schools, and you're going to do that one and that one. So, you know, I, I trust you guys. You guys are smarter than me. You know, I, I submit. Boom, 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 boom. Somehow I got into Berkeley with the deferred admission for January of 2011. Mm-hmm man, that was, a it was wild. I couldn't believe it, you know, could not believe it. Could not believe it.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. And so while you were going through that whole journey of 15 to 21, just kind of figuring it all out and getting back into the groove, did you know at that point what you wanted to be? At that point
2: I started, yeah, I did. At that point, w- well, yes, yes and no. I mean, I had ideas, you know, like, right. I'd be watching like Tavis Smiley on PBS at night, right? i like, oh, I could do. What like, could that bro? Like, you know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, yeah, am yeah. On TV, like I could do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, so I was like, maybe I'll do that. But, and I'm also around all these PhDs, so I'm like, oh man, maybe I'll maybe I'll teach. You know what yeah. I mean? And then I'm mm-hmm. seeing, and then I'm seeing. Cornell West, I'm like, oh, I could, shit, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, that could be my dad. I could be my, that's my dad, <laughs> you know? <laughs>
0: that's your dad. That's that's Dr. <laughs> Cornel, that's my
2: dad right there, Dr. West. So I go, well, you know, so I'm looking at that. So I'm starting, so I really was kind of between like teaching and like journalism in a way, even though mm-hmm. I didn't really, that's what that was.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. Like, I just felt like drawn to that in a weird way. And yeah, and then I went to, when I got to Berkeley, I got into Berkeley as a philosophy major.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
2: I you know just yeah I was like yeah so I'll, when I got there I thought what I'll do is I'll I'll get my bachelor's and then I'll go get a PhD in philosophy or poli sci or political philosophy and I'll teach but I pretty I got a um a student gig at the uh, African American Studies and African Diaspora Department there and I loved the students and I loved the faculty and I loved even you know the people that worked there. but like I was like. Yo, like higher education is pretty, uh, it's like, it's not, it's not what I thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. So then, you know, by that point I'd fallen in with this professor of mine who taught this, who, he was um professor of this black power course that I took because I was trying to minor and anyways, and his name was Ricky Vincent. He was writing a book about the house band for the Black Panther Party. I love, I've always loved music. And at this point I love, I love the Panthers. Right. So I'm like, I just remember we just, we struck up a strong, strong friendship. He also had a radio show. So he started having me come through his radio show Friday nights. And I was like, man, you know, I'd like to do what he, like I started thinking about, well, why would I want to teach? I want to teach. Cause I want to do research. I want to write or disseminate information. And I want to, I like the idea of teaching. I go, well, what he's doing, I could do that. Like, Jackie, if I go into journalism, research, write, and putting stuff out is just as good as teaching, right? So I was like, so that's when I started to realize, like, all right, maybe I'm going to be, maybe that's what I'm going to do. I do not know how I was going to do it, um, but that's that's when that started. And then when I graduated, I couldn't get a job up there, so I moved back to my mom's place. It was, again, bouncing between my mom's and my dad's. I was, you know, 22 at this point, and I just started cold emailing any tv or radio show that i enjoyed so like a lot of npr programs a lot of like and a bunch of like you know like dude i was email like i might i might have tried to email the tonight show i don't even know i emailed like everyone (laughs) just cold emailed everyone and the only person i heard back from not not that i fault anyone for getting back i you know it was a total hail mary but i heard back from tavis smiley's producer joe zephram who was like yo we would love to have you come through so then I started interning on, on the radio program, Smiley and West. It was Tavis Smiley and Cornell West program. That's where I learned to like to write scripts for people and like edit audio and record audio and work with engineers and work within a team of people. And it was like, holy shit. Like, and like within a, within a month, I wrote like a full hour long program about the oratorical legacy of Martin Luther King for Tavis Smiley. I'm like, so, dang, I'm like, damn. I'm like and produced the whole thing. Like, it was like, it was a crazy crash course in like journalism, you know? Yeah. I was like,
1: damn, if
2: I can make a living doing this. Finally, I started to feel like, okay, like now I get it. Like, I'm good at this and if I can get paid real money to do this, this is it, you know? So, you know, another Hail Mary, I was like, I don't think I have the, before I'd gotten that, I had applied to the Graduate School of Journalism because I wasn't getting jobs. You know, so before I got that to have a Smiley gig, I got applied to the Graduate School of Journalism, feeling like I probably wouldn't get it because I didn't have the requisite experience. Somehow, as I'm interning at a Smiley, I get that. I go up there. Again, have some, you know, it's all about mentors, man. I had some great mentors up there. I, I'll go back to Berkeley, so I'll fall back in with all my same crew, Ricky Vincent and Gabrielle Williams, who was a doctoral student in, in the uh, African Diaspora Department, um, then I meet Manila, who's the radio professor there, and and then I meet Kelly McEvers, who was the host of All Things Considered at NPR. And through her, I get a job at NPR when I graduate, move back, my girl gets pregnant, we get married, I'm in my first job, and man, that was and that was it. I mean, I sort of feel like I've just, I feel like I've just sort of fallen into this. Career in this weird way, like I didn't expect to get that Tavis like any gig through cold emailing people. I got it, I didn't expect to get into graduate school. I got in, didn't expect to really have it. Most people that I graduated with didn't have a job for months after I had a job within two weeks. You know, married, pregnant within three months of that. So it's like all of a sudden life was just happening, man, and uh and my life was happening in a real way. And it was like I, I finally felt like I'd arrived in some way, you know,
4: right. I feel there was like a really cinematic progression to how that all happened, but there's something so natural about that. And I think one thing that stuck out to me when we kind of get onto the thread of radio is, first of all, the Black Panther house band. I'm going to have to really do some digging into that later, but...
2: Yeah, party music. The, the group is called The Lumpin'. Okay. The book's called Party Music. Yeah.
4: So as someone who is very much, you know, drawn to music, immersed in music, what, was some of the soundtrack of your life kind of throughout these transitions and as you were seeing your career progression and your life fall into place like that?
2: Oh my God. Wow. see so what, I mean, what was the soundtrack? Soundtrack, that's, that is, um, woo, that's a question. You know, <laughs> always a lot. I listen to so much music. Always a lot of, uh, you know, Malcolm and Tupac are my guy. So always a lot of Tupac. I fell in love with music. My grandma was from Detroit. I grew up in Detroit, East State Fair Road. So I remember when that Temptations miniseries came out on NBC in the 90s. <laughs> that was like a appointment viewing. Like we had to sit down and watch that whole thing. And I remember I fell in love with like uh with, with Motown. So like old soul music was my shit. Mm-hmm. But we had a, you know, K-101 here in LA, so it put all the oldies, I listened to a lot of oldies. I listened to a lot of pop. I listened through the Ramones I loved the Ramones I sort of spoke to the punk rock in me too just similar to Pac you know Pac was Pac was punk rock you know so it was always very it was either like really soulful and like soul music R&B or like hyper aggressive music <laughs> I <was> Like <laughs> I would say that's the soundtrack to my life it both like and I guess that fits my personality I'm either kind of in a I'm either listening to uh, Whitney Houston and Tony Braxton or I'm listening to like you know listening to Pac, all those old death row records. So,
0: it's him. I love that. So yeah. many uh yeah, yeah.
2: And Prince. So many a lot of prints. A lot of prints. Oh, a lot. A of lot Prince. of prints. I love prints.
0: <laughs> we actually have, you know what? I'm going to send you um some stickers we made some modern minority stickers a little while back and we have one with prints on it.
2: Oh, please do. Yeah. Please it's, do. It's
0: it's really fresh. So, we'll make sure you get a please couple of those. Please do.
2: Oh man, I'm still so sad he's gone.
0: And so through all of this, you actually also have now created a show that we're big fans of called Started from the Bottom. Yeah. And what I find kind of fascinating about your show is that you talk to people who grew up on kind of like the outskirts of different communities, right? Or mm. have, have had very marginalized experiences. And I'm, yeah, I'm wondering if as you were talking to us about your own experience, you didn't overtly say that about how you felt but I'm wondering if if your own experiences have contributed to oh my this God. platform that you've created oh and God. talk to us about that of
2: course I mean you know again in this period of 15 to 21 when I'm trying to put my put the pieces together in my life like if I saw a, a brother in a suit mm-hmm. or a nice car or like just look like he had like a you know had his kids with them looked like it's some deep like look like he had something together yeah. You know, and I would always run up. Hey, man, hey, hey, well, how you doing, sir? My name is Justin. Richman. I just want to know, like, what what do you do? I would straight up just ask people. Cause I, I really, <laughs> when, I, when you tell me what did I want to be when I was young, I, when I tell you I had no idea, I couldn't imagine it, I really had no idea. And so I would just, you right. know, oh, I do this, I do that. And, you know, when people start throwing out these, I, to this day, sometimes job titles still, I'm like, you do what now? Okay, you're the head of. <laughs> okay, I don't know what that means, but okay, it's it's interesting. That's a job. I could, you know, so I would really like. I would just ask people, you know, and I didn't think much of that until I get to Berkeley, and a lot of the black students there felt similar to me, like oh, like you know, we don't really have like lack of guidance, you know.
1: Yeah, and then yeah.
2: and then when I get into NPR, and I'm talking to, I'm like, oh, like which was just my first real job, like that's my first real job, right? Uh, I mean, you know, I had many jobs. That was my first step in terms of like where I was going in my career. And you know, when I'm talking to people. I'm like, yo, like again, everyone feels like me, like they don't really have like even here, they like, no no guy like people who are like 20 years older than me are still trying to figure this out and. And then, you know, like what I realized is like women feel largely the same. Like they didn't necessarily, a lot of them didn't grow up with examples of women in control of their destiny. You know what I mean? In their personal life, right? You know what I mean? In their professional life, excuse me, right? Like, whereas I started thinking, I started, I started realizing through conversations was like, if you're a white dude, you likely grew up in proximity to somebody who could be an example of how to maneuver through the professional world, whether it was
1: mm-hmm. your
2: dad, yep. an uncle, yep. a brother, yep. a cousin, a neighbor, a pastor, yeah. a counselor, someone, somewhere you could look to that looked like you that could teach you the game, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: totally.
2: And we a- a- as minorities, as women, we, I'm not including myself in the women. But, <laughs> right, we don't have that, man. But, I, you know, again, right. I grew up single mother. Right. I remember my mom getting fired from a job. My, I remember my mom working a job. I don't remember what it was, but it was some clerical thing, some whatever. And the guy in front of her was, was uh, viewing pornography. And she complained to the boss. And she got fired. No. So.
0: Wow. That's crazy. That is
4: crazy. Imagine.
2: Yeah. So I'm like, OK, what I felt like was I was doing this anyways. I was always just talking to like, wait, hey, how did you do it? What did you? And I was like, you know, what? let me just start recording some of these conversations, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: By that point, I was lucky enough to come into contact with Quincy Jones, the legendary producer and just all around like nice, like incredible yeah. human being.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and
2: I was getting game from him. And I'm just like, dude, these are just like these are just conversations that just need to be recorded. And I've had enough conversations with other people now who, like, feel similar to me. And I'm like, I'm having these conversations. Let me record them. That was my, that was my feeling. And I was still in PR at the time. You know, I didn't really know what to do with that idea. But fast forward to getting to Malcolm Gladwell's company, Pushkin, and Jacob Weisberg's company, Pushkin, like, I, they finally gave me the platform to, to do it. So, yeah, that, was, that started from the bottom. Is It's like, it's really just talking to women and people of color
1: mm-hmm.
2: about their their success stories, so that anyone listening can envision themselves doing the same thing, right?
1: Yeah,
2: and navigating the same yeah.
0: obstacles. Yeah, it's such important. It's so important to give people an example to follow, or or a perspective to learn from. And I I love what you're doing, and we'll we'll make sure that we include links in the show notes, and we'll drive everybody to go listen because it's. It's pretty similar to what we do here, too, of just, like, really getting people to share their own perspectives so that we can all learn from each other. Because to your point, it's true. Like, many of us just didn't have access to people who, like, we didn't have access to any of that information growing up.
2: And and, and look, man, I think my show is for everybody. This is, this is, if you like an underdog story, which I think we all do. Yeah. This is free. So, yeah, like, totally. I, I think, yeah. you know, this isn't to... In no way is this supposed to. I, I hope white dudes listen to this show. Like, I think you' going right. to get a lot out of it. But I think there's very specific things, like even down to like when, when you're trying to navigate the professional world as a woman, like you know, like you you, you guys saw me. I have like a, a a natural, right? Right. And when I first got to Emory, I was like, oh shit, I better cut my hair. You know what I mean? But then I was like, you know what? Nah, man, I got to be me. I got to go. Like, I'm going to grow my hair back. Right. But there's all these things like well, you don't know. Like, hey, should I? is this professional? Like, from so my hair, my yeah. hair, like, yeah. my dress, yeah. my, the way I yeah. talk, should I coat switch? Yeah. Do I not? Do I, yeah,
1: do I totally. it,
2: it, you know, man, the amount of conversations I have with women who are like, you know, man, should I negotiate this thing? They always say you should, you know, and then you're like, okay, so right. let's just get, let's right. just get down to, let's get, let me find the most successful people I could find, famous, yeah. not famous, from right. all kinds of walk of life. And let's just, let's get down to it. Like, how do you navigate the professional world <laughs> yeah. and find yeah. uh, a level of monetary success that can afford you a level of personal comfort, man. Cause I'm also not against that, man. I didn't grow up in in a lot of comfort, you know, very financially insecure. And, yeah, you know, I feel like that's an important step for, for all of us, minorities and, and women is, is the, the more and more we're able to, I'm not, I'm not like a uber capitalist or nothing, but the more we're able to sort of Position ourselves in, in terms of having some financial stake in things. It's like, yeah. you know, the better off we're all going to be. Sure. The quicker we're all going to be better off. Yeah.
0: Like the idea of generational wealth, you know, mm-hmm. like foreign, foreign mm-hmm. to like me. I'm from an immigrant family. Like, you know, you, you make the money to pay the bills yeah. and the yeah. idea of like, Having enough to then pass on to future generations, so they don't have to worry. I'm like, whoa! It that sounds
2: crazy. I'm, like, I'm talking about, yes. How to get enough just to, to build up a savings? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that sounds yeah. cr- like, uh, you know, and I'm now I'm finally in a place where I'm starting to build able to do, and it's like, okay, so and it's all like, it's like, wow, you know, and I'm I'm finally starting to get to place like so much of because when I was 15, and I'm like, okay, well, I got it's it's basically like I get a college degree or I have an eighth grade diploma. It's like. I was so motivated by fear of failure at that
1: point. Right. I'm like,
2: man, if I don't get this degree, like I'm a failure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I got nothing in this world. And so much of my life I've been working for. and then I get my graduate degree and then I'm working a job for 28,000 a year overnight. My wife's pregnant. We have our kid and we're making like no money. And then it's like, again, like, oh my God, like how am I going to, feed my family like how am I gonna like do, 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 like back against the wall afraid of failure struggle 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 and I'm finally in a place in life where I'm like oh like I don't gotta I don't it don't gotta be like that so now I'm now I'm really trying to also when I'm talking to people figure out like how can you how do you switch how do you how do you stay how do you find a different way of motivation you know what I mean like
1: right
2: yeah we're, we're always trying to hustle with our back against the wall but okay yeah. how does it what's it like to hustle with just or to not hustle or just to work with your back and not right. against the wall. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, just right. really like, yeah. okay, it's not like I got to do this or 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 if I fail, like my whole life, I'm going to be destitute. It's just, if I fail, i move on to the next thing. Like, that's, it's so foreign, you know, to, yeah. to me and to a lot of people I know. And so, yeah, right. it's, a, it's a journey, man.
0: Well, Justin, we're almost at time and we end all of our conversations with a speed round. Are you ready for speed round? It's
2: nine a.m. I don't know.
0: What <laughs> <laughs> I have faith in you. I yeah. think you can do this. You ready? Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. What's one thing about you that no one expects?
2: I'm afraid of birds. I'm a six oh. foot six dude. <laughs> I'm afraid. I will. Oh my god! Don't let me. Yo, I've had, I've had. I swear to God, I've had a. I had at least one. Girl I'm on a date with, I, I, she, she never said it, but I'm pretty sure I never got a call back <laughs> because I would pet on the little pigeons Wait, around what? when we was eating. <laughs> I was kind of, I couldn't
0: help it. I was really I was like, yo, I was really trying. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'm a I'm, I, I'm bird phobia, man. Wait,
0: what bird. do you do? You run away from them? Scream? Like, I have. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, look,
2: I'm going to be honest. I have. My wife, one time, she, was, she still has a story. She falls out laughing. When we went to the beach one time. Damn, seagulls started chasing me. I, I, when I tell you I ran all around that beach, oh my
4: God. Oh my god. The key to your athlete man. career just put a bird behind you. Oh my god. Yeah, I there you be. go. Like You'd Carl win Lewis every race. Out there, man. <laughs> Michael Johnson out
2: there. <laughs> oh Jesus, I hate birds.
4: Okay, can you recommend a book or a movie whose characters that you relate to?
2: A book or movie whose characters I relate to? I always related. This isn't a movie, so it doesn't count. You know what? Always uh, related to, uh, to to Will Smith's character Independence Day for some reason, <laughs> hmm. or, or or Men in Black. I just you know like didn't didn't quite fit into where he was, but just kind of you know stayed confident, use a little humor to try to get through. Figured it out, yeah, wow. made
1: um, it yeah. work. <laughs> um,
2: made it work, and then in a yeah. book this is speed round. This is like, I'm not speeding through this uh, a <laughs> book. I'm trying to think I loved, I realize I'm in the minority on this. Richard Wright's bigger Thomas character really resonated with me. And, 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 um, yeah, I know like Richard Wright is not, <laughs> you know, James Baldwin hated him. And,
0: right. Right. Uh, like, right. it's
2: like, I know it's not cool, but like, I really, when I read native son and the outsider, it was like, Oh shit. That irredeemable black boy, like, I could, I like, that did resonate.
1: That's great.
0: What is your favorite mom dish?
2: Chocolate chip cookies, 100.
0: Chocolate chip cookies, yum. Yeah.
2: 100. No one does them better than her either.
0: Does she still make them for you when you visit her?
2: I don't let her because, you know, I'm trying to watch my figure, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I got, oh, I, got high, I got. You're good. Trying, you know, come on, man, I'm trying to... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to fight. I'm trying to, yo, I'm fighting for my life against this dad bod and high blood pressure and all that. And so I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to keep, it, keep it right, keep it tight over here. You,
4: know? you got
0: a lot of discipline. I, mm. I admire that. I admire that. That's
4: What is your least favorite food? Woo, my least favorite food? Yeah. I love
2: food. I love all food. I don't eat, like, man, I'm like, I love food, but I try not to. I try to stay, like, regimented. I try to stay, like, you know, in a routine. But, okay, my least favorite Hmm. You know, I'm gonna say, <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, if you if if you went to like a restaurant and they had it on the menu, you'd be like, "Hell no, I can't." Not a chance. Yeah, no, no not way. Not A chance. I don't... Or like you pick it off the plate. It's like that. You know.
2: I don't even do. I used to. It used to be olives. I've come around. I like olives now. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to like. There's like a number of things I used to not like that I'm now I'm I'm into. Um, I'll say overall as a cuisine. Like mm-hmm. people seem to love Italian food. Yeah. And I gotta say, like, it's not like I hate it, but it is like probably the lowest on my list of things. Like if I'm like, yo, i am got like I'm gonna like I'm gonna go get some Thai right. like, food, right. or I'm gonna go get some like sushi, or I'm gonna go get whatever I'm gonna get. And I'd be real, like, Thai food is way more than just list, not man. top of your spaghetti? list. Spaghetti, spaghetti is whack.
0: Yeah. I'm
1: gonna be real.
2: <laughs> spaghetti and meatball there we go spaghetti Uh, and meatball like like sometimes like a lot of times we like if you get it right like you know a little whatever whatever part of the thing is i can't even read those menus half the
0: time you're like what's the difference between fettuccine and linguine (laughs) yo come on now
2: and then yeah and the penne and da da da. yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah
2: papadelli and all this stuff so i'm like i don't really but some of it's really good but i'll say spaghetti Man, that's, 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 for, that's for the birds, man. That's, All
0: right. that's for the birds. It's just too basic I for you. Like I, get it.
2: I don't like spaghetti. I don't like And I don't like I meatballs. It. I don't like birds. <laughs> I don't, and like, you don't birds. like birds. No. <laughs> Hell no.
0: All right, here's one. And you can't name someone that you've already talked to. Who's someone out there that you would want to interview on a podcast?
2: Ooh. Ooh. And I've been fortunate enough, thankfully, man, to meet a lot of my heroes and talk to a lot of interesting people. But it's who's the one person I would want to interview on a podcast? You know, there's so many, man. I gotta be real. Well, this is a weird one. I, I really wanna, I really wanna interview Tom Hanks.
0: Tom Hanks. Yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 I feel like he had, he would have great stories to tell.
2: I like Tom. I also like Chet. Yeah. People don't like. I, was about Ch- to I like say. Chet. I like <laughs> Chat. Colin. I like Chet. I like Tom. I like Rita.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Bring the whole family on. I want to. I want to podcast fam. with that whole family.
0: The whole family. I got to say, man,
2: that Czech kid, you want to identify with that kid? It's because it's like, honestly, that kid has a crazy amount of charisma. And if he just used like an ounce of it for good, he would be the biggest (laughs) movie star on the planet. He just wants to be, he just wants to be, I don't know what he wants to be, but I, I find that kid endlessly fascinated as I do the whole
1: family.
4: Yes, that's great. And finally, what does being a modern minority mean for you?
2: Man, sometimes it means feeling on top of the world. Sometimes it feels like I want to blow this world up. Sometimes it feels like I'm ready to fight everybody. Like I want me against the world. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like the whole world's going to have to fight me to stop me. (laughs) Sometimes, I mean, I don't know, man. It's getting more and more... Complicated, you know. I mean, wow, guys. I mean, we got. I don't even think people can remember back to when President Obama was running, and we were all looking like, Mm -hmm. can can he win? Really think he could win? Like what? Mm -hmm. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then to have lived through that, him winning, like really, you know what that, like how that it started. You really were like, oh, like wow, like we about to really come up. But then I don't know how you guys feel, but. I never experienced worse racism than when that motherfucker was president. It's like, you know, them white boys got mad, man. And um, and then you get Trump, and then you get this crazy-ass Supreme Court, and then you just like, I don't know where we are, man. I don't know. Being a modern minority yeah. is, is certainly better than being a 20th century minority or right. a 19th right. century minority. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. goddamn, couldn't it be better than whatever being a 21st century minority is? I was like... <laughs> <laughs> It still ain't like, it's like shit. It feels like it could be better. So yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of things. It's, it's, it's a lot of things. But one thing we do know how to do is keep on keeping on, keeping it pushing. So that's what we do. keep it pushing. It's
4: true. I know that's right. It's true.
0: That's right. Well, Justin, thank you for keeping it on. Yeah. Keeping on.
2: we to keep on keeping it on. Keep, <laughs> that's keep right. keeping it on.
0: <laughs> this was so much fun and we really appreciated your time today. Thanks so much.
3: I've been Ramon Segal. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there.
0: We'll talk to you soon.